0: Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking part in this immersive listening experience. A meaningful existence is a moving target that no matter how close will always be out of reach. We hope this message finds you with an outstretched hand. As we attempt to uncover complex truths, remember, life's toughest questions can be answered if we all just
1: focus on one thing. Being good people. Hello everyone, welcome to Good People episode 25. Today, I was joined by Greg Sissengrath. He is an ultra runner and an ultra running coach in the Dallas, Texas area. We talked about how he got his start in ultra running, his philosophy on coaching, and some of his experiences and lessons learned along the way. Before we begin today's episode, if you are listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, please consider giving the show a rating. While you're listening, if you really enjoy it, please share the episode with somebody that you know who you think would like to listen. It really does help us out a ton. Enjoy the episode. All right, Greg. Well, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you doing this.
0: Appreciate it. Happy to be on.
1: Let's get started with a quick 180 second rundown of Greg.
0: Okay. Uh, my name is Greg Sisengrat. I'm a um, ultra runner, uh, living in the uh, Dallas Dallas suburbs, Allen, Texas. Uh, we say Dallas because no one knows where Allen is. Um, but uh, I'm a again ultra runner also a running coach and uh, co-founder of a uh, local trail running group here team durden bird found uh, running late in life um but i'm it's now it's kind of my whole world so uh everything everything running mostly trail running a little road running just because we have to um but yeah uh father of three teenage daughters, a couple in college. So, uh, whole whole different life there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably the the short and simple.
1: Very good. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I can't remember when I started following you on Instagram. I think it was like 2019 or 2020. Um, I can't remember if it was before or after I did my first ultra marathon, which was a 50 miler and, but anyways, I come across your stuff. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, following along, using a lot of the educational content that you put out for me to, I come from the strength and conditioning world. I'm a CrossFit coach and ultra running is just like, I dabble in the dark arts a little bit, you know, and, uh, you as a resource, especially from the side of, and we'll get more into this, the importance of strength training, mobility work, stuff like that. It was in in, an intensity to not overexerting yourself to hit a certain amount of volume and. Um, you know, being smart about training. And so I I found your profile, kind of go through these things. I had even reached out to you at one point during a training. I can't remember for which race it was, but I was dealing with plantar fasciitis. And you sent me like this yoga routine. I think it was like a really simple thing. And I started doing it and it made my feet feel a lot better. And last year I'm towing the line of the grindstone 100, my first hundred miler and I turn around and I see this guy standing there. And I'm like, man, this guy looks really familiar. Like, but I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on it. And I was like, I swear I know this guy. And we take off. In fact, the starting line goes and everybody starts running, you know. And we you and I were yeah. at the very back of the of mm-hmm. the pack. And, you know, as you do in an ultra marathon, we sort of walk across the start line. And I heard somebody say, and I'm 95% sure it was you, say, we're still starting too fast, like kind of jokingly, um, and then we we run the race. Or whatever it was, somewhere around like the fiftieth mile after the turnaround, I I think I was getting to the turnaround, and i I was passing you as you were coming back. Um, so I was on mile forty something. You were on mile fifty something. And we passed each other, we waved, good job, man, whatever. And then it clicked in my head. As soon as you passed. I was like, oh, like this is the guy that I've been following on Instagram for years and years. That's cool that he's doing this race. Uh, And then, you know, we ended up sort of talking a bit after the run and on social media about some of the things. So that's kind of like my first uh, introductory meeting. We we, we really haven't even officially met other than virtually, uh, but that's like my introduction of you. That's
0: funny. Uh, to be honest, I, I probably don't remember the the PF part, um, uh, but I definitely it's something that I've had to deal with um, throughout my uh, uh, building up into ultras. So, and it's you, you probably know very well now that it's a uh, pretty common overuse injury. Um, but yeah, that's a funny story on grindstone. I'll share another one. Um, it was very early in the race and I was, you know, as we are, we're, we're packed in pretty tight because everyone's, you know, starting to climb and I'm talking to someone else. And then someone asked, are you Greg? And I was like, yeah. And you know, this is, I don't race a lot on the East coast. So I'm not, not expecting to recognize anybody. Uh, But they apparently had recognized my voice from another podcast, which is probably because I have a, I don't have a radio voice. I'm not, I don't have that deep, deep smooth voice like you do. Um, so I'm, uh, now I'm pretty nervous about, uh, doing these podcasts because, uh, I know I'm not a, I'm not a good public speaker. So the, that was funny. I got, I've I've got noticed a couple of times during that race. Um, one, uh, one because of my nasally voice and, uh, and, and then by you. So,
1: Very good. Well, I'm glad that I could be a part of building your notoriety as a (laughs) uh, ultra running guy. But it was just one of those funny moments. It was just kind of like a small world thing where I was like, no way, like this guy's this guy's out here. I was actually most impressed with the fact that you had to get on a plane the next day and fly home after the after the events.
0: Yeah, we've uh, we've I've made that mistake. Uh, I've made some timing mistakes (laughs) before um, in one one similar and again it was another east coast race was cruel jewel where we had planned a sunday earlier morning flight um and cruel jewel is a uh, you you're probably aware a very hard and long uh, east coast race and um and much and even though it can get fairly humid in texas it's a different kind of humid in you know georgia tennessee virginia and uh we're i was on the course of much longer than expected and i was fearful of just being able to finish and not showering and just really packing our bags and heading straight to the airport so i did i didn't give myself a little bit more leeway uh, for grindstone I, I was able to uh, you know actually get some get some normal sleep and uh pick up my drop bags and kind of make my way to the airport so i did give myself a little bit more time so i didn't have to worry um so that it's it's a it's been a learning curve so i i suggest to everyone give yourself more time than you think you definitely don't want to be rushed or even have to think about trying to make a flight um in the middle of your race
1: and if you're like me take like the next three days off of work so that you are sure that nothing yeah. is gonna go wrong <laughs> yeah mostly for me i was just scared with fitness i have to demonstrate movements and i was like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to squat so i I think I got back to work on Wednesday. uh, Okay, yeah, three three days or so after the race. Um, Well, let's go in with. uh, I want to learn a little bit more about you before we. I'm sure we'll talk more about grindstone. Yep. What did your life like? Look like growing up? I know you said you got into running late, but were you ever into any sports and things like that?
0: Yeah, I grew up in a small town in Arkansas, and um, as probably the case for most i played everything uh doesn't mean i played it well but i i you know played basketball a little football before uh before that kind of outgrew me (laughs) so i don't really have the frame for that um but yeah i grew up on team sports basketball football baseball and and as is typically the case running always felt like a, a punishment because it was always go run laps you know go run bleachers so i really i really never enjoyed um, running other than we had to do track um, in off season for you know to get ready for whatever basketball or uh, or football um, so that was really and I was not really good at track I didn't go out for cross country I, I did uh, probably like uh, you know like one mile or the four by 3200 I can't remember what it is now but the relay so uh, I didn't have a didn't have a lot of running um, background growing up um, but enjoyed the team sports and, um, and really didn't start running until I was in my mid thirties and we, you know, we got to the age where, um, you know, friends no longer played rec league basketball. You know, I just didn't have a lot of outlets. Uh, we at this point had had three daughters and I, I gained a lot of sympathy pregnancy weight and just be, you know, just being inactive. Um, so I started, uh, eating better, and, you know, playing tennis. And then my wife would always run around the track while we were playing tennis, or she'd run around the tennis courts. And I thought I thought that was always ridiculous. Why is she doing that? Running laps, and I tried it. And uh, I can still remember the first time we ran. Uh, I ran the quarter mile block around her house. And I told her, hey, I ran the whole quarter miles, and I didn't stop. And, you know, she didn't believe me. And uh, once, once I just started uh, becoming more... Consistent with it, uh, I found, I found that I enjoyed it. And, uh, once I started training more, well, not necessarily in training, just running more, I, I had a friend that we went to college, um, that we went to college together and, and he said, Hey, we should, we should both do the, a half marathon. I had no idea how far a half marathon was, but I said, yeah, let's do it. And, and that was it. Uh, started running, um, you know, building up with the half marathons, marathons. And once I found trails, it was, will tilt toward trails and you know and then you get once you get involved in the trail community everyone wants to do ultras um so that was it found it late in life um but it it i think it uh, kind of gave me a um I don't know, juice is the right term that i hadn't had in a while you know we, we did that half marathon and people were out there watching other people run and i thought that this is just kind of the coolest thing i can't believe anybody's out here you know supporting other people But that just gave me, uh, just gave me some excitement and something I hadn't had since really, um, you know, uh, high school or at least when my wife would watch us play rec league (laughs) basketball. So, it 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 really uh, reinvigorated my, uh, I love for fitness and um, and just really kind of changed my life.
1: It's crazy to me how similar my story feels to yours. I like everybody played similar i played a bunch of sports growing up mostly soccer i was i play i was the relief guy that played five minutes at the end of every half my whole life like i never i never made the starting lineup save for a couple years in my early teens when i i got cut from a a soccer team and then i went and played for a worse soccer team and i started for them it was you know okay and then it made me feel good right (laughs) but um you know i finished high school didn't play sports anymore kept up with my fitness was really getting uh, interested in the gym and how, how that worked and strength training in my roommate in college. We went to high school together. He was on the cross country and track team. And he was like, you want to run a half marathon? And I was like, okay. And so we signed up for one. Um, it was through that. I'm sure you've seen it. I think the documentary is called where dreams go to die. It's Gary yeah, Robbins yeah. at the mm-hmm. Barkley marathon. Yeah. Just ended up on my YouTube recommended and probably like most people, the first time you see something like that, I did not even know it was possible to run a hundred miles at one point. And that sort of became like in my head, I will do this one day. Like I'm going to do this, uh, you know, through a number of other factors, the half marathon we signed up for was, uh, in a town called Withville. It's like a no name, Southern Virginia town. And it's pretty much, Two miles flat, four miles straight up a mountain, oh, wow. four miles down a mountain, uh, two miles, and then like around the town for however much distance is left, right? And so it wasn't a trail run, but it was uh, sort of in the same vein of like yeah, tough road races. Yeah, that kind of bird
0: is the right line.
1: Yeah, and uh, I just got in, involved in that community and sort of through that, I realized that you don't really feel like the, you don't really think that a hundred mile races are as common as they are. And I guess maybe because you and I around it. We think they're more common now, but uh, I I recognized how big of a running community there was around me. And I just sort of started getting involved with that. Um, I did my first 50 miler in in 2019 and I trained for a year and six months for that, which was way too long. And then by the time I was done, I I wanted nothing to do with running ever again. And then two years later, a buddy of mine was like, hey, you want to run a hundred miles? And I was like, well, I always said I would. And then I sort of (laughs) started getting back into it. Um but that's yeah, very that's a long
0: but, that's a very long training cycle for one race yeah yeah
1: yeah my I actually just sort of similarly after grindstone, I haven't really run a whole lot. I'll do like an occasional long run on the weekends. there's no structure though you know that's kind of the nature of crossfit i've I've been working out five or six days a week since then, but um you know running rucking here and there, I've been doing that, but just recently in the last couple of weeks i've kind of got back to the structured at least once if not twice a week endurance focused workout mostly rucking right now but i plan on turning it into long running and my whole goal with this is in about a year building myself up to a point where i can just say i'm going to train for this race in like 12 weeks and just fine tune some things and then be ready for it
0: yeah and and that kind of i'm probably getting way ahead but that kind of encapsulates my my training philosophy my personal training philosophy for me i want to do i want to I want to have a balanced training load where if someone says hey let's do this race whether it's a you know a hundred mile mountain ultra whether it's a long bike ride you know whether it's a super long ruck event or you know even if uh someone tried to talk me into high rocks or a deck of fit i feel like you know if you give me six weeks you know i might not you know, i'm not going to win but i'm probably gonna at least not embarrass myself um so i i feel like i I can be ready for um for any kind of adventure that that comes along so that's that's kind of where i am now i've done a a lot of cool stuff but i also want to be i want to continue to be able to do a lot of cool stuff down the road and i never want to be at a point where okay i i just don't like running anymore or i I'm doing too much of one thing where you um, set yourself up to get burnout. Um, but I found I found doing a, and again it's kind of unstructured. Um, there's, it's a structured unstructured. But um, I, the, I think the balance training load has helped me um, maintain a good level of fitness and uh, and again just being ready for you know whatever is next.
1: Yeah, and I personally feel like I had two polar opposite experiences with my 50-miler and my 100-miler. Again, my 50-miler, I prepped for a year and 6 months. I ran it in Nike road running shoes that were like oh, 3 wow. years old. <laughs> I like didn't know anything at the time. To- I was like 19 when when I did it. I knew nothing. It was they were so narrow by the way too that I unlaced the middle section of the shoe. Yeah. So like my foot felt fine when I ran, and I just was like I had heard that you're not supposed to change your shoes before a race. And I was like, okay, so I'll just, I'll just run a year and six. I probably put a 1500 miles on those shoes. Seriously.
0: Um, uh, it goes to the quality of those Nikes then.
1: <laughs> well, I don't even, I don't even remember the name of what to wear. but anyways, for my a hundred miler, yeah. I had gone from pretty much two years of running one to three miles per week. And I prepped for the grind for grindstone in nine months. It was like, I made the decision. Nine months later was the race. And I, after my 50 miler, I probably didn't feel right for like a month. Like I felt horrible. I still had like weird nagging pains that just like shot up my legs when I walked. With Grindstone, I was full squatting. I wasn't doing any weight, but I had full mobility like three days later. And so, um, I mean, there was still some swelling and things like that. But to me, going away from that, I just... Recognized that the training difference was was what the biggest uh, separator between those two experiences were.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, in your your first 50 kind of mirrors my first 100. I I went from probably first first actual road marathon to 100 miles and I think it was probably 14 months. I just, uh, you know, I really got into the community and found some crazy ultra runners and they're like, hey, we're doing this. I was like, okay, look, I'm going to do this 50k too. And then, oh, we're doing this 50 miler. I don't know, when is it? And I was like, well, I did a 50 miler. I guess I can do the 100 miler. And it, the progression went pretty fast. I, luckily, I didn't get other than maybe a bout of uh, IT, IT band. Issues, um, I didn't end up with any running issues but training for that hundred I ran with someone that had done multiple hundreds and she was a high mileage athlete. And so I just did whatever she wanted to do. We ran you know, every Friday we'd run twelve miles of road. It's just a six mile out and back. And it was like at four in the morning, she was off on Fridays, so she got to take a nap. I had to still go to work. And then we would do, we did a 40 mile training run on the course. We did a 50 mile training run and it was, it was a lot, um, which, and I still, I had a great race. My race debut, it was at Rocky Raccoon sub two, I'm sorry, sub 24 hours. So great race for me. But then when I finished, I, uh, or even before we started the race, I kind of didn't feel like, uh, I didn't feel like a good runner. You know, I was and i just i could just shuffle along which is probably good for ultras but i didn't feel like a great runner or a um necessarily good athlete either um so i kind of took a break not a not a long break but I, i got on the bike more i found different ways to train and then when i got back into it um my training philosophy was different i realized that you know while you do get a good mental um confidence boost doing some of these long training runs just i mean 40 miles long time and it's it's way beyond what you need to do to actually physically prepare right um so i just i you know played around with my own training and found like uh it's it's not necessary to to do these long training runs over and over and uh, i i found like i could get away with less mileage and uh introducing, you know, more strength training. And that was still very new to strength training as it relates to running then. Um and still um I'm still learning now. But um that's where I i learned I could get away with a a more balanced training load. There wasn't, you know, one one specific you know this now. Um there's no one specific way. The hundred mile distance is a lot different than, you know, marathonings where there's a pretty good there's a pretty good path to follow and you can find it anywhere online but the hundred mile depending on the race, it's all different. And, uh, and there's different ways to go about it. It's just, uh, it's entirely different sport.
1: Yeah. I also noticed too, for me with prepping for things, specifically running my training recovery is more indicative of my results and progress than the actual distances that I'm covering. For example, I think the, the biggest weekend I did for grindstone was, I think I did a marathon on Saturday were like 26 miles it wasn't an official marathon and then i think it was 10 miles i did on sunday but to me what was important was like monday when i woke up i felt fine and i was like okay i'm ready yep and i think that that's just been better for me of like knowing knowing and being confident in my preparation is if i can handle the recovery
0: and i'll i'll tell you know And we all get in that that Strava trap where um, you're seeing other people do these really awesome training runs. But then I like to tell my athletes, you know, how good is that, you know, 50K training run at blah, blah, blah pace when, you know, you can't even if you can't just go back to your normal Monday through Friday training routine. You know, how beneficial was that run if you just can't get back into the normal routine? And, and, and it's really the Monday through Friday. And I say, when I say Monday through Friday, it's just kind of the boring, you know, weekday training that we all do. Uh, and everyone focuses on the long runs, which, you know, look cool on Strava. Um, but I think the meat and potatoes is the kind of boring, you know, one hour, one and a half hour training runs strength and mobility if you can't just go back into that i i think you um i just don't think that that awesome long training run is that beneficial if it interrupts training for you know the next two three days so um that's that's always been well not always but that's kind of my training uh philosophy now is we do enough you know on the longer runs but you can just go back into the normal training load. Uh, if you can't do, you can't, you can't do your Monday strength training because you, your your legs are dead from your long run. Um, You know, how, how good was it for you? Your overall progression toward the race.
1: Yeah. And if you're not showing up healthy and feeling confident and positive, like what, what good is that run going to be for you? You did it, but at what, at what cost?
0: At what cost?
1: Um, Exactly. Yeah. I have some other questions too. I'm curious about this for you. Um, are you still, do you work like a nine to five or is this now your full world? No, I,
0: I, uh, I'm actually technically at work now. I work from home. I, um, I'm a business analyst for, uh, for, um, major bank. I'm, I'm sure I'm not supposed to talk about it. Not, not that it's a secret or anything. Um, but, uh, I, I have a regular boring nine to five job um but again i'm i'm able to work from home on most days so it gives me the flexibility to train and to side gig as a as a coach and you know do the fun stuff like podcasts um all right, so it's 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 been really good um i as you as you alluded to i, I coach on the side um and that's kind of been a a full-time part-time job i have about 40 to 50 athletes. So that, that keeps me pretty busy. Um, I definitely probably, well, not right now, since again, I have two girls in college and one in high school. Uh, I could probably get away with it being a only job. Um, but then it would, you know, would probably make it more stressful and not, not nearly as fun as it is now. Um, so I'm lucky to have a flexible day job and be able to kind of balance the two worlds. Um, So that's been good.
1: Yeah, I almost find it more inspiring for me to, you know, talk to and get to know individuals like yourself where in my world, running a hundred miles is the craziest thing anybody's ever heard of, right? I'm just in a CrossFit gym and uh, we do short and intense workouts. And I always tell people, to the best of my ability when they inquire about it is like, I want you guys to understand that what I do is not impressive at all. Like I ran 100 miles one time. It took me a really long time, which is fine. I'm not knocking on my personal achievements and I plan on continuing to do these things for a long time, but there's people who work 10, 12 hour shifts. They still manage to get their training in. They have a family they've done in the 10s and 20s of these 100 mile races, and they still manage to like fit it all into their schedule. So um, I just think it's cool to admire people who have sort of been doing it and have stuck to the consistency and discipline over it over a long training life. Because I think that that is the most impressive thing is looking at somebody who says, like, I've run every week for the past 20 years
0: um it and like when i said earlier that it running and and coaching and and trails it is it is my life and it, it literally is i you know i host uh usually i host about 3 group runs a week where i like to be there um and uh and i rarely and i think i'm out, i'm on out bike on mondays now with a group and i kind of have two days off where i don't have to go anywhere and I'm sure my wife is happy about that. So that I try to give myself a couple of days, you know, where I'm at home for once. Um, so it, 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 it is a full, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of balls in there. Sometimes it can be uh, a little much, um, but as long as I'm um, uh, organized, <laughs> I can keep it all, keep it all rolling and and, uh, and manageable.
1: Yeah. I posted, are you on threads? You are.
0: I am. Yeah. Um, I, I need to be the- better. Um, look, if we start having to pay for Twitter, I'm probably going to be on threads hundred percent, but I need to be yeah. better on that. And I think I have seen, you're pretty good about posting on there.
1: Well, to me, um, I write and I've been writing pretty consistently in my free time. Um, I studied creative nonfiction writing in college. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and so for me, threads is, is for nobody else. I literally have this thought and I put it and I don't even, sometimes it's misspelled, but it's like a personal journal that I can carry with me at all times. Uh, But something you just said there that, that reminded me of something I posted was that, you know, you're, you're stretched to your ends at times with all the stuff that you have going on. Sometimes I feel like we, you know, you either struggle for the fact that you don't have the things that you want, or you struggle to get the things that you want. And, My whole point with it was like, this isn't supposed to be some motivational, choose your hard. I hate that. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting, I'm getting more and more distaste for that kind of language as I do this podcast. And as I'm in this world more. it, it was a simple statement that life mostly sucks and it's hard and you're going to struggle and you're never going to feel like you're doing enough, but it's better to struggle for something than it is to struggle because of something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's a much better way of saying choose your hard. I mean it's more nuanced and it's hard to do it's hard to do nuance on social media. Um but like I said, yeah, I definitely I definitely prefer the way that my life is now. Not not I don't prefer the busyness. But I you know, you, we have to balance between uh kind of what pays the bills and uh make sure we sneak in enough of what uh, you know you know, what, what feels your cup and I'm doing that. And some, sometimes I'm not doing it well. Um, but most of the time, uh, I am, and I definitely chose this and, and it is what I want. Um, so I'm not choosing the business. Um, but I am trying to, I don't want to say it's cliche, but I am trying to, I'm trying to do what gives, I'm trying to say gives me passion. Um, but yeah, this is, this is the life
1: that I prefer. Yeah. Fulfillment, I think is what yeah. you were looking for there. Yep. Like that is, I, I'm going to go to bed tired every night and I would rather go to bed feeling satisfied with yep. everything that I did, even if it was more because I, f- I felt like I was doing more of what I wanted to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, You have a really impressive personal resume of races. uh, And you know, if you tack on all the, all of the races that you've helped people run, I know, and I'm a coach, so, I'm sure your mindset is the same of like, you can't even, they did all the hard work. You know, it doesn't matter to you, but I mean, that's still very impressive um, and commendable with all of the people that you've helped run races. But am I correct in this 700 milers? You've done a two fifty, uh, and then you've done 250 miles for anyone listening, hundred K 50 miler and a couple of 50 K's too. That's right.
0: Yeah. I've, uh, there's probably a lot, a lot of 50 K's mixed in there. Um, but um that's kind of tk is kind of my perfect I, If we had to pick a perfect distance um because you know you can do it and you're not killing yourself and you can just kind of ease back into monday where uh, you know nothing nothing happened and it's just like a regular day um but yeah i've uh, been lucky enough yeah my wife is very uh very nice to let me uh do all of these fun things and most times she goes along too and we, we kind of use it as running vacations and we, you know, like our last one. Um, my last race in July was a High Lonesome. Didn't go as well as I had planned. I got bronchitis <laughs> a couple of days before and it did not do well at high elevation and I ended up having to drop at mile 70. Um, just couldn't stay ahead of cutoffs. But we spent um, we spent the week after with the family uh, nestled in a, a little house you know out in the mountains of Colorado and we kind of we work from there but it was you know it was a nice vacation everyone enjoyed it um so we we like to we like to we like to see new places and and the running gives an ex- gives us an excuse to do that um so yeah it's been it's been great I try to do um I'll try to do just one 100 mile race a year um just for me and mostly to get a to get those, uh, Western States and hard rock qualifiers. Um, yeah. Um, so I, I, try to not go too crazy with the races. One, one big race a year and, the, and a lot. And, and the benefit of having, uh, people that I coach is a lot of times I get to go long on their races. So like, um, you know, in another, I'm not coaching this person, but then, you know, a couple weeks from now, I'm going to bear 100 again, uh, to help pace. And in October to November, I have like, uh, maybe, four more races where we're going to Penn Arkansas Traveler, Pumpkin Holler, which is in Oklahoma. Um, so I'll, I'll get to be a part of a pacing or crewing, um, you know, friends or athletes that I coach um, pretty much for the next couple months. Um, so that, 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 gives, but it gives me, it allows me to get back to the friends and the community and be a part of races. And I get to do all the fun part and not, you know, suffer for 24 to 30 hours. Um, and, 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 it it kind of prevents the FOMO you know we we get to um and if you pace and crude um you get the you get all the selflessness you know it's it's hard it's hard pacing and crewing you um you still have to do some of the hard climbing you can't complain about it at all you just kind of have to suck it up you're sleep deprived you're hungry, but you're probably still in a better condition than your runner, so you can't say anything at all. Um, but you get to play a small role in somebody else's success, and that um, that gives me more than you know my own finishes. And uh, I'll say it over and over: it, it it's my favorite part.
1: Yeah, I a couple of months ago now. At this point, I crewed for a friend of mine on her first hundred miler, and it's it's hard, man. Like it is. It is, I don't know if I would rather run it or if I'd rather crew because the, it's the same amount of sleep deprivation to a certain extent, you know, in fact, at this particular one, what's funny when you said you can't complain is I couldn't find my trail shoes. And so I just wore the ones I wore for grindstone that were like way too old. I got trained for grindstone the majority of it with these. And I did like a 10 mile section just after it got dark and my, by my, like five, my feet were killing me. And I was like, just don't say anything like you can't. Um, but, so that's, that's funny that you bring that up. I'm actually also, um, doing an aid station for Grindstone this coming weekend. Oh, uh, which one? Uh, they changed the course. I don't know if you saw yeah, that.
0: I did. Um, and I, I don't know if you know, but I'm, I'm going back. <laughs>
1: I'm oh, going this year? I'm going back
0: to Grindstone. Yeah. Um, I need, uh, I want to get another Hard Rock and Western States qualifier. And it was the only, is the only one that was going to work with my schedule. I, I don't like to repeat races. Um, but don't really have a choice here. So I am, uh, the one, the one benefit now is, is a different course. Um, so we're really not repeating the same race. It looks to be, you know, with a different race start and, and I can't remember all the eight stations last year, but it does look a lot different. Um, some of the eight station names sound familiar, right. Um, but, um, different start and some other differences. So, um, maybe a little bit less gain, but we'll see.
1: We're, we're at lookout mountain. It's mile 38, I think. Okay. okay and we, i think you'll only see us once
0: yeah yeah
1: um wait think, oh. uh, i'm curious about this do you have to you say you're doing it again for hard rock and western states yeah is it to achieve like a certain time or is it just to like no add a
0: so your- this is a funny story i you no longer have to uh qualify every year to keep your tickets and I, I overlooked that and I was afraid I was going to, you know, I've got like seven years of hard rock tickets and didn't want to lose them. And I know Western States, you get a deferral year, but I, uh, and I, I I think they go for two years now. So I don't necessarily need it this year, but I'm already, I'm already committed. So I'm in, um, so I'm a little bit, I'm a lot better about playing my athlete stuff, than I am myself, so I was like, I need these qualifiers because that's a that's what I think about every year is I gotta get a qualifier, and I uh, and I went ahead and signed up. But I don't necessarily need them, but I want to go ahead. Uh, I'll get it. I'll get it knocked out. And um, uh, and again, having a new course, um, a new start, and some different uh, different views will will be fun. So it won't feel exactly the same, but I think uh, I think the mean climbs in the middle are the same. So that'll be there. Yeah. I got, I got to do better at those
1: this year. Well, man, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that at all. And I'm yeah. excited cause I'll, I'll get to see you out there. We. I just spent like $500 at Costco yesterday on, uh, on supplies.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I will, uh, I'll take some of that off your hands.
1: Yeah. We're, uh, uh, this might, I, I don't know how, I know your, uh, your gels are kind of the way that you go. Are you coming by yourself this year again, by the I way? I am. Yep. Okay, yeah, Uh, we're. I'm making like this cheesy, like it's a breadstick, but it's just not. It's not like an actual breadstick because I think the garlic and butter would mess with people's stomach too much. But um, uh, it's. I'm making really good breadsticks.
0: No, I I will eat them. I uh. I, the funny. I'll tell you from the last year. I I have a pretty good plan. This one's a little bit more balanced as far as my nutrition. It's not just. It's not just gels, but um the. The difficult part for me about grindstone, not, not just starting at night is what happens is, you know, typically for most races, you know, start at 6am, you know, so you run, you run a whole hundred K before it gets dark. And then when the hundred, when the, when it gets dark, it gets a little cooler. Some of the, some of the more savory foods come out, you know, everyone's cooking, everyone's grilling, you know, in the daytime, it's kind of boring. Yeah, Yeah. Got some sandwiches, you got some fruit but i'm always a fan of the savory foods like uh, you know a cheese (laughs) a a cheese a cheese bread i'd be all over that um but with grindstone since you know it started at 6 p.m those those savory foods came out early and it really knocked me off of my nutrition you know i was like okay i just want and i just want savory foods and i um i kind of the plan went to crap and i basically carried a hundred you know all my gels that i was supposed to eating and I never ate them and I was always waiting for the next aid station to get some savory food. So I, I have to be a little bit better, even, you know, even with the several years of running ultras, I still make dumb mistakes, especially because I was by myself and I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have crew or pacers like, Hey, you should probably just go ahead and eat the food that you're carrying and not wait to get to the next aid station. So um I'm packing a little bit more nutrition than I did last year and uh, a little bit more variety. Uh, so I do have some savory snacks in there. So I'm not just, um, you know, sometimes you get like, I can't do another gel. I want something saltier. want something savory. So I have a little bit more balanced, balanced, uh, plan and hopefully that, and I stay with it before I get to, you know, before I get to nosh on some of your cheese bread.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know what for me, I I've summed this up to the fact that I'm just a bigger runner. Like I'm like 205 pounds. Yeah. But I could not, for the life of me, get enough water and liquid in me. Like, I would run out every single section. Literally, I think from mile... I can't remember when I picked it up. Probably around mile 80. My girlfriend, now fiance, she shoved... I had my two 500-milliliter bottles in my bag. And she put, like, I think it was three or four regular plastic water bottles in my vest. Oh, wow. And every, like, six at that point it was like six to eight miles between every station I had all, I drank all of it. It was like four bottles of water, two full bottles of element. Yeah. And it was just all gone. I I could not consume water. And I thought I did a spectacular job of training for that during my prep. Like I was conscious about getting acclimated to running with a little bit less fluid.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's curious. I was going to say when you, when you mentioned all those, uh, all that, uh, liquids, um i was gonna say you probably need electrolytes but if you had element you're probably pretty set so that that is a that is a ton i uh i am i i'm a pretty good i like to think of myself as a camel and i went with one soft glass starting the race and you obviously i ran out in in a few different spots and mainly that i think that eight nine mile long section and that really uh set me back for a lot of the race because i'm uh, being um being out of water for that long. It takes, you know, two, three hours to kind of get back to normal. But I remember on the, on the way back, I, I begged, I asked, I saw someone left a one liter plastic bottle in the trash. I was like, I, I need that bottle filled and I don't care who put their mouth on it. I need it <laughs> because I'm not going to make it back. So, and obviously it's not going to fit in a pack. So I'm like carrying it like a football <laughs> while I'm running yeah. uh, while well running. Uh, so I I, I had a nice uh, backup plan there, but this time I will be carrying. I, uh, I don't like to carry a pack and last time I just carried a waist belt. Um, but I, I'll have a, I'll have more flask and, uh, and probably carry, a, I'll start with three, um, one empty. And that way when we get to that long stretch where we're going to be climbing for a while, uh, I'll have, uh, three flask pool and, uh, um, I'll also have element with me. Um, so. I should be in a better spot. So lessons learned. Um, and hopefully, uh, means, uh, I'll shave, shave some time off
1: from last year. Very good. Um, I know it's tough, you know, when you do a lot of these things and even in races, there's so many moments and things like that, that you sort of, that stick out to you in your memory and it's impossible to nail down one. Uh, but is there a race or a moment in a race in particular that stands out to you of all of the ultra marathons that you've run, maybe like the toughest or most rewarding or anything, and feel free to sort of talk about a couple of different experiences. Yeah.
0: yeah so, um, I, I think, uh, one big moment for me was during coca and, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the first year, uh, it's now been two years, sorry. Yeah. Three years running of the race and each course has been a little bit different, but the first year, uh, there was a, um, for stretch, there was an aid station at mile 11. then after that, we had to go about 20 miles without, uh, without aid. And it's, you know, it's in, it's in Arizona. There's no, there's no tree coverage. It was a very, obviously very hot, um, in May and, uh, we, uh, the race, the race instructed everyone to carry, um, at least three liters so that would be four you know four soft flasks and that's what I carried we drank we all drank it all we all refilled at mile 11 and then almost everyone ran out of water um before getting to that first aid station um and I think around I don't know maybe it's mile 20 mile 25 I I you know I'm laying on a rock I'm out of, I've been out of water for like <laughs> for a couple hours and uh and I I even I saw one guy, uh, who we were all out of water, but he, he I saw him pick up, um, some mud and try to squeeze water out in his shirt and just to get a drop. It was, uh, he barely got any, but, uh, he tried. Um, but I remember thinking, God, I, I think I'm going to DNF before we get to the first, you know, first real aid station. And then I have, uh, you know, I have my wife or uh, friend that's, our driver and I have two pacers ready and I'm thinking my race is going to be over in the first several hours and I've never uh, I've never dnf'd a race where um by time by not just making you know I, I couldn't make the aid station cut off and I thought I was going to do it on the first day um but we we kind of we just all kind of trucked along and finally they um, they actually brought water out a little earlier from the aid station because they realized that everyone was dying out there and we, we refilled our flask and that just got me enough where we made it to the aid station and, you know, with some cold water, some watermelon, I was like, okay. And just, you know, went, and literally went from, went from, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to run. I, I can't even imagine running anymore or I was so thirsty and then just getting some more hydration in you and then some snacks and some cold watermelon. You know, it's just back on and and then for the rest of the race for the next three four days i never i never even thought it wasn't gonna happen i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna finish i'm gonna get this done so um it's just uh it it, it still stands um still a big part of uh i think about a lot On um, you know you you can always go back on and remember like if you ever have a tough stretch in the race okay i think yeah i don't know i don't know if it's Goggins. I hate doing some Goggins quotes, but yeah, you know, when you do something hard, you, you know, kind of put it in your cookie jar so you can always, and I'm probably, uh, getting the quote all wrong, but you know, when you do hard things, you kind of just save it away so you can go back and know like, okay, I did this. So come on, you know, just suck it up. You can do hard things and just give it little reminders of, uh, things you've gotten done. And that, that was a, that was a big piece. I really, I really thought my race was over, um, that early in the, in the first several hours. And then it's a, it was a 96, hour race so um i went on to you know do 90 more hours but i really i i thought i was done i thought i was gonna have to pay for for four people and eating out in a hotel for the next four days in phoenix um but uh, i ended up it ended up going just fine but i literally i thought it was over in the first the first few hours
1: yeah that made me think Uh, specifically from grindstone that's that's probably the race that i pulled the most experience from just because it's the most recent and the most challenging one i've done so far but i came up with this term afterwards when i was writing you know i did what everybody does on their first ultra marathon and i did a little race recap yeah uh i like to think that mine was better than most people's i really took some time it's i think it's like 20 pages long wow Uh, okay i'm gonna have to find it uh it's, it's on my highlights on my instagram story you can check it out there uh it's all it needs to be edited anyways that's an aside uh but i came up with this term and i use it all the time now the hardest parts in the race for me was when i felt like there was zero wiggle room like i was stuck and for me in, in the grindstone it started from like mile 55 until 65. Uh, it was that unicorn aid station like right before i got to it on the way back. Mm -hmm. And then from that point until like mile 80, I felt just like my, my dialogue internally was, I'm not going to finish this. I'm not going to quit, but something like I'm going to fall over on the side of the, the trail. And somebody's going to have to like drag my body out of here. There's no way that I'm going to finish this. And around mile 80, I didn't even get to that place where you're talking about yet, where it was like, I know I'm going to do this. I just all of a sudden felt like there was a chance that I could do it, and that was enough to yeah. keep me going on my own to finish that last leg of the so race. you
0: saying there's a chance,
1: yeah. And I use that term a lot now, especially recently. I've been writing more. You know, I'm trying to grow this podcast. I'm trying to work and train athletes and maintain a social life. You know, like everybody, their life is busy and my whole thing is like, just wait, if you're patient enough, wiggle room will come yeah. and then you'll feel good again. And then you can just, it'll push you for the next couple bit and then it'll get hard. And, um, uh, so I think it's interesting that a lot of times we would pull the difficult moments like that as the things we remember.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, it's funny how that, uh, that part old train kind of gives you a good philosophy for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. They say that like, you can learn everything you need to about life by doing a hundred miler. I'm a, I, am I think that's true, but it's cliche to say.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you have to be so pretty I, thoughtful <laughs> yeah, about getting, sure. uh, yeah, pulling out the right things from it.
1: Yeah, and 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 I just would like to add this for anybody listening. I'm, I'm actually really curious. I didn't think about this before to ask you, but I don't remember who said it, but there's that one. It's another cliche saying where it's like, if you want to run, or run a five k. If you want to challenge, run a marathon. If you want to talk to God, run uh, ultra marathon or 100 miles or something like that. Yeah. Have you ever heard something like that?
0: Actually, I have not heard that.
1: Okay. I I don't know if somebody said that. I But it's something well, along those lines. You should take credit
0: for it. It's pretty good.
1: I don't think I said it. I can't take credit for it. Eh, no But one knows. I'm curious. I've kind of gone into some of these things with this expectation that I'm going to have like a really profound experience. Yeah. And I've just never had a profound experience. I mean, in hindsight, there's really... Um, profound lessons from some of these things, but running an ultra marathon is horrible.
0: Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, for me, um, I have a pretty even keeled personality and I think it, I think it's beneficial for these longer races where, um, you know, things go to crap. I'm like, Oh, it's kind of crappy. And I'm like, oh, we'll deal with it. But also, I never have like I have a friend that when we finish hundred miles, she she has to be alone for like five minutes so she can get a good cry out and uh and, and the finish line experience is awesome. Just watching her finish so like I'm very excited for her. But I'm you know, we finished we finished the same races. I'm like, Okay. Well, that was it. <laughs> Yay. And so I don't have bucket. any I don't have any big highs, so I don't have any profound experiences or like, ah oh, this was fantastic, but I am also I, when when things are crappy and you you're really or things really suck I don't really get too low either so I don't have to dig myself out of a huge hole so I think it's probably more beneficial when I'm doing these races but I also I don't get a take away um like oh this I had this wonderful moment where I, I felt this it's just kind of it all kind of melds into one. Um, so it, there's, there's definitely uh, drawbacks to it. Um, but I think for me, uh, having that, um, kind of even keeled, uh, uh, um, personality really helps for my ultras. I just don't get the, I, I just don't get any cool finish line vibes. Um,
1: so. That makes me feel a lot better. When I crossed grindstone, the guy who was like handing out the bu- buckle and the, the little coffee cup that we got was trying to be super excited for me. Like, congratulations got like awesome job guys. And I just like shook his hand and grabbed it. I was like, yeah, thanks man. Thank you. And then he said it again, like great job. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, cool. Thank you. And you know, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to
0: make it, uh, I I hate, I don't want to make it feel like we're discounting the experience. It definitely, uh, it's still, you don't want to say that the, the accomplishment wasn't worthy of, uh, and awesome. I just, I just don't always, I just don't always feel it. I I think I took the buckle and the coffee cup and I went inside to get something, you know, I went inside the cabin to get something to drink and uh, sat there for a little bit and then I got in my car and went back to the hotel. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, you know, definitely when you look back, you can, you can put it in the right perspective that, you know, we did a pretty cool thing that most people aren't doing. Um, But I just, never feel i don't i I never i rarely get that elation i I, I cried at the end of cocodona um because we it's a long race and we had a long stretch into town so it i felt like i had more time to get the emotions building and i knew my wife was going to be there in france so that was a little bit different um i just couldn't hold it back and luckily i was wearing sunglasses so no one could uh no one could (laughs) see the tears (laughs) tears in the video or the photos um but yeah, it's, uh, in, in most cases it, I've, I've not had the kind of fun or cool, big, uh, emotional finish line. I'd, I'd like yeah. to have it, but most time yeah, I, I, th-
1: I think that sometimes too, but you're right. it It doesn't, I don't think more positively or negatively about an experience because of that at all. You know, it's, it's probably up there in like the most you know, the ultra races that I've done are in the, for sure, top 10 of all of the yeah. things that I've done in my life, you know. Uh, and so, it's it's not to discount that at all. It's just, I don't know exactly how to pinpoint what I'm trying to say, but I'm the same way. My personality is very even-keeled. I don't have a lot of highs. I don't have a lot of lows. I've said that before on this podcast. And finishing a race, to me, is not... I I didn't cry either, you know. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, With running something that you said that piqued my interest was you've you only had like the one dnf recently right
0: um i actually i i've got now two dnfs um i dnf'd at wasatch 100 a few years ago and um i'll caveat because three weeks before i was mountain biking and i went over my bars and i cracked a couple ribs uh and uh so for the three weeks leading up to the race i couldn't run at all and i kind of just uh I walked and did some easy spins and didn't do much. And I was hoping I could make it to the finish line. I did go, um, I think, to a chiropractor and they kind of pressed on it. And and I always just thought that if I really broke a rib, it would probably hurt a lot more. I definitely had trouble rolling over in bed. So it did hurt, Um, but it didn't hurt enough. I still went to the race. I made it to mile 70 and I got to the point where... um, you know, we were at a uh, ski resort uh, aid station and we were getting ready for the night. So I'd, I was putting on my uh, cold weather layers and s- tried to slide on the long sleeve shirt. And once I raised my hands over my head, was like, ah, oh! and I kind of felt a really good pain. And whether it was like the 10, 15 minutes that I spent at the aid station, kind of getting ready. And I started climbing up and I just really I couldn't, I was having trouble breathing more and the pain was a little more acute. And we, I was crewless at this race as well. Well, I had some friends there, but they were not, they weren't responsible for me. They are crewing for her. And, uh, and we would get to, it was a stretch where you leave this aid station, you kind of committed for 20 miles because there's aid stations in the middle, but it's one of those where you can't drop there. You know, you, if you drop there, you're kind of stuck in the little canopy you' gonna to have to wait until they tear down the aid station before you can get a ride um so all these thoughts are gonna going to go in through my head like ah oh, man we're have to be you're about to be in the dark for several hours by yourself you're gonna commit you don't have cell reception uh you know what i'm I started weighing weighing the risk and, and and that was probably one of the first times in a race and maybe in the only time where you know I thought I was actually in a little bit of danger, you know, something bad could actually happen where if you you know, if you really can't breathe, you're gonna be you're putting yourself out here and and, you know, I start thinking about my kids and my and my wife back home and I can't call them. So all that went and I actually I went up and down the mountain a few times thinking, okay, just go back down. Let's be safe and I was like, No, 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 suck it up. Let's go back up and then (laughs) you start climbing up. I'm like, oh I can't breathe and so I did that a few times, but I ended up going back down and, and dropping at the aid station and I, I made the decision and then I sat and I was able to call the friends that were crewing Hey, is it possible for you to come pick me up? said, so, yeah, we can be there an hour and a half. So I sat there for an hour and a half just watching people come in and some of were looking pretty rough, rougher than I looked at the time. Um, and some of them ended up still finishing because I, I wasn't in danger of cutoffs. I just, I was actually scared, you know, I was scared I was gonna um hurt myself or do something that uh you know that would cause some long term damage or regret um uh, but and and then I thought and I actually thought you know, I made the wrong decision, you just kinda you know you kind of wimped out, but we got in the car and we went we were over on like cheap roads and and just just moving in the car, I was out of breath, um so I couldn't handle the pain anymore so i I made. You know, I knew I made the right decision then and when I got back I went to a real doctor uh, and and so yeah, you have two fractured ribs. So I was like, Okay, I guess I wasn't being uh oh I guess I wasn't whipping out and uh so that's 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 uh you know, when when people talk about when you should DNF, um uh it's hard to sometimes uh It's hard to sometimes tell the difference between you're not having fun or this is uncomfortable or this is pain that, um, that is, you know, could cause either long-term harm or, you know, jeopardize your health, uh, at at the immediate time. So, um, that was definitely one of those. And in hindsight, probably, uh, probably shouldn't have gone to the race, but I still made it 70 miles. And, you know, it's Utah. I wanted to see Utah. It's, trip was paid. We're going with friends. Uh, I made the trip. Um, but yeah, that, so that's one of my two DNFs, uh, uh, one due to crack ribs another just due to bronchitis. Um, so I uh, definitely, I need to go back to both because they're both great races and Wasatch and high lonesome.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I, I hear that too. And I, I know people in the community that just like sign up for 12 races a year and just, drop at the first sign of discomfort and pain and like oh just go to the next one so i think that you know over the what's it been a decade right for you yeah yeah over the decade two dnfs is probably a pretty decent track record as far as i'm concerned
0: yeah and i think it's important uh 12 races or 12 big races is a lot um and 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 you really, for all these hard ultras or even anything past the 50 or 50K even or marathon even, you really have to have a strong why. And if you know that, oh, I'm just doing this for fun or oh, we're all, I mean, we're all doing these races for fun. But if you give yourself out knowing that, okay, I out to race, you know, in a couple of weeks, that's just as cool. And, and you, you know, you, you're really not committed to this race. It, it makes it easier to make that decision to DNF. I, I like to tell people and this is always a depends thing where you know when you should you dnf like well you should dnf when they pull you off the course you know when you can't you know when you time out um that's not always the case and there's always some other circumstances uh around that um but i think uh when you i mean if you don't have a good y for the race it's easy to it's easy to drop when you're not having fun and 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 to be honest, you're not having you're not gonna be having fun for most of the race. you know, you meet some people it's fun, you get to enjoy, it, but sometimes most time you're gonna be by yourself and it's like, crap, why did I? I've never not been in a race and not regretted signing up. Like, why am I doing this? I could be at home or <laughs> I could have done uh, grindstones grindstone, the bad case because they don't have shorter distances they do now, but you know, you could have, <laughs> I, why did I do this 50 K? I could have done the 25 K and I could be back drinking beer while everyone else is suffering. So, um, I've never not wanted to, Drop during a race, or or yeah, let the thought cross my mind, or regret. It's like, uh, why do I need to do 100 mile every year? Um, I should be doing something else. But then I'm done. I'm like, okay, huh, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> let's let's do yeah. the next one. So yeah, it's a it's a never ending cycle.
1: Yeah, and then you and then you recover from it, and a long yeah. enough time passes, and then you just completely forget about yeah. how it felt, and you're yeah. like, I can't wait to do the next. Yeah, one.
0: especially if you you know if your training is going well and you recover pretty fast the next day you know if uh if it's your first and it takes like a week or two to recover you're definitely not excited to get back to it but uh like you said after grindstone you're you're uh, you're back at work and at least being able to do a uh do a full squat so um it makes the makes you easily forget all the bad parts of the race and uh, want to get back to it
1: yeah. Final couple of questions here. What is something that you would like to accomplish Jill maybe as a coach or a runner yourself?
0: Um I, you know, even though I said I I have given up road running, I still coach marathoners and uh you know when it gets close to boston i still (laughs) i still want i would still like to go to boston and uh still you know bucket list for almost most most runners and i'd still like to give it a shot i think in another couple years i'll be 50 and and uh, it'll be a little bit easier for me to get qualifiers although you know the more and more people qualify the the tougher it is to actually get in even if you qualify so um, that's something I'd still like to do, um, really, really for my immediate goals or I still want to get into hard rock and I still want to get into Western States. Um, I was thinking last year with the amount of tickets that I had, I, 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 I thought I was going to get in hopefully, you know, with double the amount this year. Um, I, should, I think I have like hundred and whatever the, the map adds up to 128. Um, so I should uh, be in, uh, this next lottery draw. So, but those are the big things. I, 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 want to get into Western States. I want to get into hard rock. And, um, and then and once I have that, uh, you know, I'd like to get back to the 200 mile distance, but, uh, those with the 200 mile distance, that's, that's like a year's worth of racing for me because, you know, I take my wife, I have a couple, you know, a couple in the pacers. So uh, I can't, I can't do the like the triple crown at two hundreds It's stuff. To, I don't know how people do that. Um, it was a, yeah, it was a big, it was a big thing. So I'd like to do another 200, maybe, um, not maybe, but, uh, Tour de Jean. um, but that would be a trip to Europe. So that might be two years worth of racing for me. Uh, so those are, that's more long-term immediately. Let's get Western States and hard rock out of the way. And, uh, obviously, uh, once you get into western states you kind of you kind of have to go for the grand slam because you, you know you're not guaranteed another chance to get into western states so it would be a 400 in one year um doing western states vermont leadville and wasatch and and it would give me a chance to get that wasatch dnf uh redemption
1: yeah uh, where can people find more from you in the content and stuff like that that you're putting out
0: yeah the easiest um the easiest way is instagram ultra ninja runner without an e that's where i, I put most of my content and uh, it's easy to link to um you know the running club that i have i do a lot with team and verb um, and it's literally at team and verb so we do some uh we do a lot of trail race, trail running content there we try to do some podcasting but it's just that's that's not something that i have the time commitment for so uh, we'll, and occasionally when we, uh, when we have some special topics to talk about, um, we'll, we'll, me and Jim Kirkpatrick, who's our other co-founder, we'll start that going, but, uh, she's, you know, she's got, she's now got a freshman in college and she's busy following her around, um, for her volleyball games. Um, so it's tough to find time, but, uh, we're not nearly as polished as you are. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Instagram the easiest part and you'll be able to link to anything that I put up there.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. Uh, I have nothing to do with how polished this looks and it is, but um, yeah, I would just reiterate that the stuff that you put out is awesome. It's been a great resource for me. I know it'll be a great resource to anybody listening that is interested in not even just alter running, but running and um, fitting it into a schedule in a healthy and productive way.
0: No, I, pre- I, I appreciate that part. Uh, the the part that beyond the running, it's uh, it's important to me to try sort to of set a good example for uh, you know balanced and balanced training and longevity um, in both not just running but uh, you know athletics and fitness
1: very good Greg well this was a great conversation I'm glad we had the opportunity to uh, get to know each other a little better I'm excited to see you this weekend which yeah. I've never said on a podcast before <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah uh, if there's nothing else to add man we'll leave it there that's it I appreciate the time happy to be on Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Good People. If you enjoyed it and you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give the show a rating. It really does help us out a ton. If you really enjoyed it, please share the episode with someone you love, perhaps your grandma. We'll see you next time.